Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. My name is Kim Hutchins, and at 412, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. We want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and get equipped with us. 412 Canada is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. Today, I'm excited to announce that this is our first episode ever, and we are kicking it off with Dave Lane. He's going to chat with us about how to lead teens, build relationships with them, and move them to experience God. All that and more on today's episode. Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. Do you serve or lead volunteers in the local church? Are there days when you feel less than equipped to make the kind of impact that you want to make in your role or in your organization? Through this podcast, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. Thanks for joining us. to the 412 Canada podcast. Uh, Dave, you're, he is a pastor of youth and family at Temple Baptist in Sarnia, where he lives with his wife and two kids. He yeah. also has a foot-long beard. I do. <laughs> yeah, you do. That Dave. smells like root beer this morning. <laughs> yes, we're missing that experience. But uh, Dave spoke at our 412 conference 2019. He's a gifted speaker, and really everyone loved what he had to say about the volunteer spiritual health and youth ministry, and uh, and it was a fantastic time having you up here. In fact, you also brought your daughter, Emma, up. I did, yeah. Yeah, and how is Emma doing? She's doing well. She is finishing her last year at uh, Lanthan College, and then next year she's going to get into uh, into youth ministry and, and work with her dad, which will be cool. So. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. So, And she has come up probably through everything that you've talked about, do you think? She has. Yep, she has. <laughs> that's great. That's some living proof for us right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you've attended the 412 conference in May, then you heard Dave during his main stage interview talk and what the one thing that changed the way he does ministry. Dave chatted about the three basic needs. So we're going to take a moment right now to check that out, what he had to say about them. I think what changed my ministry was when I understood the three basic needs of a kid. And whether we work in children's ministry or youth ministry or we're a parent or a grandparent, if we understand these three basic needs, I think we become a lot more effective. Now, when I ask people what the three basic needs are, they always get one. They say love. Some will say food and shelter. Some will say salvation, but salvation is not really a basic need because the basic needs were at creation, and salvation didn't happen until the fall, right? And so the reason, though, I believe that we as youth workers and children workers and parents and grandparents, the reason we need to know these three basic needs is because there's someone out there who understands like the back of his hand. In fact, he offers counterfeits all the time. And that person is Satan, because John 10.10 says this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to do in our kids' lives. And so what I want to do is this. Kim told me I have five minutes. (laughs) If I go any longer, someone's going to pull me off the stage, and that scared me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you the three basic needs. I'm going to explain them really quickly, okay? So if you don't catch them all, come and grab me afterwards. I can share them with you. But here are the three basic needs. Secure love, significant purpose, and a strong hope. And the cool thing about these basic needs is they basically answer the three basic questions of life. The secure love answers the question, who am I? And if we want our kids to feel secure, what we need to do is this. It's all about acceptance, celebrating who they are and their uniqueness with God, affiliation, helping them understand 
that they're creating something bigger than themselves. Because when they realize it's just not them, then that gives them a lot of security. And then affection. Every kid needs physical expressions of love. Because here's what I find is this, is a child that feels loved feels secure. Because love equals security. All right? The second one is this, a significant purpose. It answers the question, why am I here? And there's three ways that we can do that in a kid's life. It's first of all, affirmation. That's a combination of their worth and, their vo- and voicing our love for them. And then attention. If we work with children or youth, we need to know them. We need to know how they tick. And the only way that happens is this, if we ask good questions and we're willing to listen to where they're coming from. And then admonition is a huge one. We have to realize our perspective as leaders. We are not there to be their buddies. We are there to be their role models. Because a student who has purpose, or a child has purpose, has significance. Because purpose equals significance. Now, the last one I'm going to give you is this. And I'm done. I'll be on the five <laughs> You're minutes. You're doing really well. Right? You're doing great. It's a strong hope. And what that answers is this, is why am I here? Now, this one is really crucial because this one anchors the first two. All right? And your hope has to be in something greater than yourself. Because the world will say this, anchor yourself in your abilities, in your gifts, in your talents. But the problem is this, is when those gifts and ability talents fade, so does your hope. It's like anchoring a boat to itself. In the midst of a storm, it's going to drift, it's going to capsize. And so we need to anchor ourselves in something greater. And so as leaders, what we need to do is this, with the children and youth that we're working with, we need to encourage them to anchor themselves to God. That's what their hope needs to be. Now, how you do that, I'm going to give you three more A's and I'm done. All right? First of all, abilities. You need to help them identify their God-given abilities and help them use them. And then also, show them their weaknesses, areas they need to improve in. Here's an interesting one, adventure. You need to encourage them in spiritual adventure. What I mean by that is this, is you've got to push them out of their comfort zone. That's missions trips. That's servant projects. Anything they have to go on their own and trust God. Because here's the cool thing, is when they do that, then they experience God. And once you experience God in your life, then your hope is solidified. The last thing I would say is this, is accomplishments. All right, Showing them that God is in every moment of their life. Because when they can see God moving in their life, even at a young age, because God cares for our kids, he cares for our teens, he's working all the time. But sometimes these teens and kids can't see that. And that's where we come alongside and say, okay, this is where God is working. And when they can see that, then the key is this, is they experience God again. So the whole whole idea of the hope, if they have a hope, they have a strength. But the only way they're going to have hope in God is if they can see God working in their lives. And so as leaders... We need to help them do this. Well, those three basic needs were secure love, significant purpose, and strong hope. And if for any reason that you missed something, you can go and check out our show notes where that will be listed there and any other details from our show today with Dave. So Dave, as we heard in that clip, you are so passionate about this topic and understanding the three basic needs every child or youth has, which are secure love, significant purpose, and strong hope. What was or is the catalyst for this change in the way that you did ministry? Well, I think the thing that that stands out to me the most is that these three basic needs were at creation. And Mm -hmm. so God made us with these three basic needs. And from the very beginning, God's desire was to meet those needs in our life through relationship. And that's where it comes down to. In fact, you look at the life of Jesus and his ministry was three and a half years And I've done some study on the life of Jesus through Sun Life, an organization I work with. 
And uh, we look at his life and he spent the first year to year and a half building mm -hmm. relationships, meeting those needs within his disciples, because what he was doing was this, is he was giving them a task. Yeah. The same task that we have to love God, to love others, and to reproduce ourselves. But to do that effectively, I think we need to know who we are, why mm -hmm. we're here, and where we're going. Because I think without those basic needs being met, we kind of wander aimlessly. And so God was like, mm -hmm. okay, this is what you're about. This is who you are. This is why you're here. This is where you're going. Now go and do this task. And I think when we have that direction, it makes us more effective. Yeah. Yeah, and really, like, what a difference it makes in your life, right? When you're when you understand those things. Yeah. And see, whether you're a youth leader or a parent or whatever. And see, I'm coming up from it being a parent and a youth leader. Mm -hmm. Both of those things are really important because I think for my kids, you know, I'm the primary one to kind of meet those needs in their life. And so to know that, it really helps me. Yeah. Now, as a youth leader and a parent, and you talked about secure love and acceptance, can you share with us a time when working with a teen about how you showed acceptance and celebrated who they are? And, and what did that look like? Yeah. Uh, one thing I do, as I was thinking about this question, the one thing that I've done is uh, one example is I disciple two junior high guys uh, oh, twice cool. a month. And all three of us meet together. So it's not just me meeting with one guy, another guy. We meet together. And uh, both of these guys are totally different. Like one is really thought out. The other guy just blurts out things and he's just more aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is this, is as we're doing this discipleship, there are unique things about them that God has put in each of their lives. And so what we do, what I will do is I will celebrate their uniqueness mm -hmm. in front of the other. So the one that's more thought out, I'll be like, man, this is really good that you thought this through. And it's really cool how God's made you this way. And so the other guy listening goes, okay, so that's cool. God had made him this way. But then the other one who is more outgoing and more creative, I celebrate that. And so instead of them battling against, you know, who's got the better gifts, they right. both realize, okay, God has made us unique and God has called us to do certain things. And so I try to celebrate that in front of, in front of each of them. Okay. And how would you, um, like when we talk about equipping the church and equipping those that are listening, what are some practical ways that they could show acceptance to teens that they're working with or that are in their lives? That's a great question. Uh, the one verse that pops to mind is James 119 that says this, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. I think the mm, key in showing kids acceptance, teens or children, or even your own kids is listening. Mm. I think the problem is, is we're so quick to speak and so quick to get angry that we don't really listen. And we can't accept someone until we understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. right? And another thing that I've done within youth ministry is I've actually used peer group, career groups in a positive way. Oh, uh, Someone always talked about this whole idea of clicks. And clicks always get this negative connotation. Right, yeah. But clicks aren't negative. And the reason why is because we're meant to be in community. In fact, I read this somewhere that as humans, we're tribal. All right. So we, we want to be together when we draw energy from each other. Mm -hmm. So to come into a youth group and say that it's a clicky youth group, well, every youth group's clicky. It's true, right? But you can either do it positively yeah. or negatively. And so what I say to my students is this, is yeah, you're going to be drawn to certain kids within the group. And that's cool. All I'm asking you to do is to grab that individual, that newcomer, that someone that that's just shown up mm -hmm. and just bring them into your group. Oh, nice. You don't have to leave your group in order to do that, but bring them into your group and mm -hmm. get them connected. 
And so one thing that we do is we have a ministry team. I'll talk a little later about it. Mm -hmm. We have a ministry team of student leaders and their job is two things, peer care and peer share. So they're there to care for their the fellow students and they're there to uh, to share Christ with their fellow students. And the cool thing is this, is I've actually seen grade 10 students show acceptance to a grade 12 student. Really? Just by, just by accepting them. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So those are some ways that you can probably, but I would say this, the key is that is listening. Listening. You've got to listen. And I think there's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. I think it was a subtle hint that we're to, we should be speaking or listening twice as much as we speak. Awesome. Yeah. So. Um, and along with that significant purpose, uh, that was on your list of three basic yeah. needs. What really tells a teen that you know them and you care for them? Like, have you found a way that works well to show them that you're willing to listen to where they're coming from? And what says yeah. to a teen, hey, you're worthwhile? Okay. I would say uh, four things came to mind. The first thing is this, is time. Okay. If you spend time with a student, you show them that they are significant to you. All right. I, I think um, just even being with them, it, it's interesting. I took a bunch of, I took two uh, these two guys I discipled. Uh, we went to, I told them if they memorized uh, the books of the Bible, mm-hmm. I would, uh, I would take them over to Chick-fil-A because I love Chick-fil-A. Oh, nice. And so they were like, awesome. And so we went over to the States and we spent the time, the, the day together. Yeah. I don't know how many times these guys are like, this is awesome. And as we, you know, went through the schmalls and stuff like that and had Chick-fil-A, we talked about their purpose and they asked me questions. And so it's interesting when, when we spend quality or when we spend quantity time with students, we're going to have quality time. And so time is a huge thing. Another thing I would say is this, is believing in them. Okay. Uh, one thing I'm noticing is this, is the family unit is falling apart. Yeah. And so to assume that that parents believe in their kids, we hope they do. We mm-hmm. pray that they do. But to make that assumption, I think, is is naive. I think what we need to do is we need to tell the students as much as we can how much we believe in them. Uh, one thing I've always done is told my students is this, is when you when you mess up, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is what I do. But when you do something amazing, I'm also going to tell you. Yeah. And what I find is this is there's so many more times I'm telling them how much I believe in them than correcting them. And so I think that's a huge thing. They've got to, they have to know that we believe in them because if they know we believe in them, that's going to give them some purpose. I think another thing I would say is you got to be real with them. Mm-hmm. I think as 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 leaders, we think being vulnerable is a weakness. Okay. And I think that is so wrong. Yeah. I think being vulnerable, now you got to be vulnerable to a degree. Like right. You don't yeah. All you do is out there. <laughs> no. But I think being real with students really helps them to understand, okay, Dave, Dave struggles with this. Mm-hmm. I see where God's taken him. So there's hope for me. Right. I yeah. think being real is a real strength. Yeah. Because it shows your students that you are, 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 are authentic and that you, you mess up just like they do. So. Yeah. Yeah, and we're all and human, think, really, right? Like, yeah. They're going to oh, see yeah. through it if you're fake. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one last thing I'd say is yeah. this, is that if you want to allow students to understand their purpose, you have to earn the right to speak truth to them. Okay. Like, if you don't speak truth to them, you don't call them on the stuff, you don't call them on, on, when they go astray, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Like, you are not their buddy. You're a mentor. Mm-hmm. And so you need to take that and embrace that. And so earning this, because if you earn the, if they know that you love them, mm-hmm. then you have earned the right to speak in their life. And they will know that what you're saying to them 
is coming from a, 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 a position of love as opposed to criticizing. Mm-hmm. And I know you also talked a lot about um, the strong hope. And I love how you stated that a strong hope anchors the first two basic yep. needs. And you talked about the abilities, adventure, and accomplishments. Um, mm-hmm. To quote you, to help them identify and use their God-given abilities. So what are some practical ways for those listening to be able to help the youth in their lives identify yep. and use their God-given abilities? Like, yeah, how that's do you a do great that? question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can I? I just want to go back to that one statement about, about how the strong hope actually anchors the first two. Okay. There's one thing I'm noticing as a parent, as a youth leader, and working with children as well to some degree, is that the world is encouraging our students to find their hope in themselves. Oh yeah, and that's that scares true. Scares right? me because what it's like—it's like anchoring a boat to itself. In the midst of a storm, if a boat is anchored to itself, it's going to capsize. And so what we want to make sure is that our kids are anchored something strong and that hope needs to be in God. So here are some practical things that I've done to help youth identify their God-given abilities so that they can experience God. Mm-hmm. Is the first thing is this, is I encourage them to serve within the church or the community. Okay. Because I think when you encourage them to serve, God begins to work. Yeah. And the I've other thing that. I would say is this, encourage them to, to serve on a missions trip. Take them outside of their comfort zone. I, I read this in a book. I forget the book, but it talked about you want a student to, to solidify their faith. Do two things. Get them to serve and get them to go on a missions trip. Mm-hmm. They didn't say the Bible studies. They didn't say that. They said the two things were get them to serve because when they serve, they realize it's beyond them. You know, we have a day camp here and a lot of our students serve in it. And my kids have also served in it as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember my son and my daughter coming home and saying, you know, God really did something. When when they led a student, a child to the Lord for the first time, yeah. there was something really cool about that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and then also the whole idea of um, mission trip. When you get out of your comfort zone yeah. and you begin to do things. I and mean, there's been times in my life where, you know, I've spoken in front of people. I'm like, how is this ever going to happen? Yeah. And then God just shows up. That's not only an experience for me, but an experience for our teenagers. In fact, when I was in... Uh, went to Nicaragua, or Honduras, and I had an opportunity to speak mm-hmm. in front of the police. Oh, they my goodness. Thing, they had lunch, they'd give them a lunch, and then they would speak. And because I was the North American pastor, <laughs> I spoke in, I, I had an opportunity to speak in front of them. Well, this uh, Tegucigalpa, which is the capital of Honduras, was under military uh, military arrest or something. And, and so the military was there as well. And so this oh, church wow. got really excited because not only could I speak in front of the police officers, but I could speak in front of a hundred military officers as well. Oh my goodness. And so they basically lined them up because there's no room big enough. And all I remember is this, Kim, is that I stood in front of three lines of military officers with their semi-automatic rifles oh in front goodness. of them. And the pastor was so excited, he goes, okay, tell them about God. And so there I was speaking, sharing the gospel yeah. with a translator. And here's the thing, is my students knew that I was scared out of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, they, they that'd be knew terrifying. That. They were like, Dave, I said, I got to do this. This is what God wants me to do. Yeah. And the moment I stepped into that was the moment that God showed up. So not only did I experience God in that moment, mm-hmm. but all of my students who were on the mission trip with me experienced God as well. And they said, Dave, that, that was a moment where you not only experienced God, but we saw God working in you because you were terrified. And then the moment you, the, in fact, one of my students said this, the moment you opened your mouth, mm-hmm. it was like the spirit of God just came on you. Oh, and cool. it wasn't you anymore. Yeah. And so when you get our, our students to serve, 
uh, it, within the church, but also serve on a missions trip. Mm -hmm. And what happens is this, this is key. They experience God. Yeah. And the relationship becomes real. What I found is this is a lot of students, the reason they walk away from their faith is because they've never experienced God. Okay. And unless you've experienced God, you really can't call it a relationship, right? <laughs> it's true. Because relationship is two ways. God experiences you, but you also got to experience him. And so when you push them, when you get them to do that, I think that's, that's key. Those two things. Yeah. And so then when you do push them like out of their comfort zone so that they can experience God. Right. And, mm -hmm. and really, like, I thought that was so encouraging both when you said that on stage and when we're talking about yeah. it now, because I have teens at home and then it's yeah. like, how far do I push them? Right. And what are some ways that you find work best to kind of push them towards that mission trip okay. or serving and, and get yeah. them to draw closer to God without pushing them away? Yeah, yeah, Kim, that's another question. And what I would say is this, is you push them by leading them. Okay. So what you're really doing is you're not really pushing them out of the comfort zone. You're pulling them out of their comfort zone. Okay. Because what you're doing is you're leading by example. And a lot of parents yeah. and a lot of youth, they're just like, what are you saying? I'm saying you want your kids to go on a mission trip? Mm -hmm. Go on that mission trip with them. Okay. Yeah. You want you want your kids to serve in the church? Serve with them. Mm -hmm. See, I think the thing is, is we've got to realize as parents, we are very influential. And so what we need to realize is that there's a process of leading our kids. And what I talk about is, is the five steps. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll go through them really quick here. Yeah. The first step is this, is if I'm talking to my student or my, 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 my child, I do, you watch. All right? Mm -hmm. Second step is I do you help. The third is you do mm -hmm. and I'll help. The fourth That's is you do it and I'll watch. And the fifth one is you and go and do it yourself. That's actually fantastic, Dave. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I think that's the key. See, our, our kids want to see us. Like we can't, this is what I always say, is we can't ask our kids, whether they're our youth or children that we're in the children or our own children, we can't ask them to do something that we have never done ourselves. We cannot ask our kids to step out of their comfort zones when we're comfortable in there and we're not yeah. willing to step out. See, our kids are watching us and that's a scary thing. It is I think scary. They, I know, I know. <laughs> it's what we do makes more of an impact than what we say as a parent. And I think that's oh, one that's thing as parents is like, yeah. oh, I don't want I to know. hear that. But it's so true. Because <laughs> right? you think about back to your childhood, it's yeah. what your parents did that made an impact. Now, what they said was important, but what they said reinforced what they did, right? Yeah. And if they didn't do it, you called them hypocrite. Yeah, it's true, right? Right. Oh, and let's face goodness. it, kids can smell hypocrisy a mile away, <laughs> right? So. Oh my goodness. Um, well, what I wanted to know too is, do you have a plan or is it just on a whim when you mention or you talk about a teen and where God's working in their lives, right? And these, I know you're working with those boys and mentoring them. Yeah. Um, did you develop a plan to do that? And, yeah. and how did you start to engage them in conversation and, and get them on board? And, and how did that work? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when I look at my ministry, um, I look at the life of Jesus and I talked about this organization called Sun Life mm -hmm. and Sun Life really helped me to look at how Jesus did ministry because Jesus didn't do it on a whim. He had a plan. He had three yeah. and a half years. He was strategical. And so that's what I do. In fact, 
I, I, I'm now, I just entered my 30th year of youth ministry. Wow. And people always ask me, Dave, when are you going to grow up and be a real pastor? I'm like, never, right? <laughs> no. But the reason I'm still in youth ministry is I don't see it as entertainment. Right. Like there's a purpose. Like when my students come in in grade six, mm-hmm. I have a plan to when they get to grade 12. And I know where I'd like to take them. Whether they choose to go there or not, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. But the plan is still there. And a big part of the plan as far as developing them is what I would call a ministry team. I talked about a little bit earlier mm-hmm. is that a ministry team, they basically care. They do peer care and peer share. So they care for their friends and they share Christ with their friends. Now, everyone says, well, is this your favorite? Is this your favorite? No, because what I do is this, is this team is open to anyone, Yeah. anyone, but you've got to commit to me. Nice. You got to be faithful. You got to be available. You got to be teachable and you got to be responsive. And what's and that? Com- you, sorry, what's what, that? I was gonna say, what's that commitment like? Like, is it once a week? What does that look it's like? It's once a month. Once a month. And so, what I will do, Kim, mm-hmm. is this: is I'm just starting it up this month because we we we, it, it's a year commitment, and they mm-hmm. can keep committing to me. And so, what will happen is we'll meet, and they'll sign a contract with me, and they'll say, okay, or, or, not a contract, we call it a covenant. Okay. Right? Yeah. And we basically say, okay, you're willing to be faithful, you're going to be available, you're going to be teachable, and you're going to be responsive. So you can be faithful to these meetings. You can be available to what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. You can be teachable. So if there's something that, that you need to that needs to be said, you're going to let me say that. Nice. And you're also going to be um, responsive. So what that means is this: is what you what you learn is just not going to sit in your head and rattle around. <laughs> you're actually going to go and do something with it. Right? That's awesome. So Action. I, right. I have a group of about probably about 20 kids. Mm-hmm. And my youth group is probably about if everyone comes about 80. So wow. one fourth of my team is being ministered to care and to share, right? And so what we do within that, again, it's very strategical, is we will do a spiritual gift test. Oh, cool. The one thing I'm noticing, and Christians in general, I don't care what age you are, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. Mm-hmm. And the moment you know your spiritual gifts is the moment where ministry becomes a joy. The problem is a lot of us are <laughs> serving in areas where we're needed, right? Not and, we're called yeah. to. Instead and so of what we we're called it. to. I had a junior high leader in one of my churches who basically took my junior high and ran with it and loved it. And he said to me, he said, Dave, this is not a, a burden because I love this. Yeah. He so felt helping called, them understand. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you're not gifted in speaking, I'm not going to get teaching. Yeah. Right? And then what we talk about is we talk about, we do a personality profile test, the disc. Yeah. Uh, the four, and then I realize, okay, if I want to get these kids to lead, I got to realize they all have different personalities and each of the personalities is really important. That's, yeah. Right? And so without them, you're going to, you're going to, it's like the body, right? Every part needs to. So as a, so as a high eye, cause I'm an influencer, mm-hmm. I have to understand the director. I have to understand the steadfast. I have to understand the curator. Yeah. I have to understand all of those and get them to lead and help them to understand who they are mm-hmm. and appreciate each other. All right. Another thing we do is we do two conferences that we take students to, and we okay. try to do it every other summer. The first one is remix. It's remix. in Toronto. And basically what it does is it teaches uh, students how to share their faith, which okay. is amazing in yeah. very basic ways. And the cool thing is this, it's not just by what you say, it's by how you see people, how you listen to people, how you care for people, and then how you serve people. And then what you say, That's so awesome. It, it includes all of the, and so there's a foot, there's a hand, there's an ear, there's a mouth. Mm-hmm. And so it helps students understand that it's not necessarily going on the street, telling people they're going to hell. Right. right. It's cultivating As we've thought about in the past, right? You yeah, often think yeah. this is what we're going to do, but no, this is a great approach. Yeah. So if you cultivate, what's going to happen is this, is they're going to come to you and ask you why you're different. Because mm-hmm. I believe it says in, I think it's first Peter, I think, where it says, be prepared in any season 
to give an answer for the faith they see in you. So what's, what that's saying is this, is they see something in you right. by the way you love them, by the way you listen to them, by the way you serve them. They come to a point and they say, okay, what's so different about you? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot different than yelling on a street corner because they're coming to you and say, okay, I want to know what's different. And yeah. so that's the whole idea of how to share your faith. It's not about, it's not just about, uh, about saying, or it's about doing and being, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Okay. And the second conference we do is called Student Leadership University. And this one is more exciting. It's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Just I've heard of that one. Yeah. It's Disney World, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so what this does is this teaches them how to lead in their faith. So a remix teaches them how to share their faith. And this mm-hmm. kind of balances it out and say, okay, this is how you lead in your faith. Because what we've realized is this, is that no matter what profession you go into, if you believe if you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, you are a missionary. Mm-hmm. And so it teaches these students, okay, wherever God places you, you have to lead. And what we're noticing is this, is the current of the culture is so strong that these kids have to fight against it. Because mm-hmm. what they're saying now is God's truth is not absolute. Right. It's all relative. And so these students are being trained to say, okay, you know what? Despite that, I'm going to, wherever God places me, I'm going to reflect him and the way I lead. In fact, one of the one of the coolest sessions in this whole week is uh, they ask the question, it's called the dream session. They say, mm-hmm. if you could do anything for the glory of God and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, it's such a great question. Oh, and yeah. I'm telling you, see these students, both of my kids have been to this. Yeah. And just, I, I sat with both of my, my own kids and said, okay, guys, what would you dream? And when you raise the bar and you say, you know, God is the God of impossibilities, mm-hmm. these kids dream. Yeah. And my son is actually part of a thing called Backyard Worship, where he has a worship band that brings all the churches of Sarnia together, no matter what denomination you are. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's all about Jesus. And we're just going to worship Jesus. And they have like a hundred, you know, 150 people come to these things. And they're all from different churches. And the reason he got this dream was because of this leadership thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to, God's going to use me this way. So that's really cool. The that's last awesome. thing we do is this, is we release them to serve locally and internationally. So we get them involved with day camps and within our church. And then we also send them on mission trips. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's awesome. What mission trips have they gone on? Is there a specific one that you yeah, typically we, send we've them done, to? We've done Honduras. We've done Nicaragua. We haven't mm-hmm. done for, uh, some for a few years. We're going to be doing, uh, I think, Spain. Oh, but the cool. one thing we encourage, Kim, is this. is we I don't believe in youth mission trips. And I know some youth pastors will be like, what do you mean? Yeah. I believe in family mission trips. Oh, that's great. Because like I said, you know what? You want your kids to step in your comfort zone? You mm-hmm. got to lead. Yeah. And so we have had, we have had <laughs> mission trips where, where a dad and daughter have gone. Oh, and yeah. the dad just freaked out. <laughs> but God shows up. And so they go back and they have this shared experience, not within within the church, but within their own family. Yeah. And so the next time it's like, well, okay, so mom and, and the son are going to go next time. And yeah. so I think it just makes a bigger impact within the family. Because here's so. the thing, is, is kids go on mission trip, they come back, they share with their family. And they're like, oh, that's great, honey. But when you can have a parent with them and say, yeah, I was there mm-hmm. and it was scary, but this is what God did. Yeah. And I think that just that just strengthens the family. And that's one thing I'm all, I'm, 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 I'm mm-hmm. all about. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, so Dave, on the other side of that, yes, you've got youth that are totally engaged and and they're and they're doing well. They're understanding who they are. And then, how do you, as a youth pastor, handle when you see a teen that's sliding away from faith? Like, do you come yeah. alongside them? Do you try to partner with their parents or their family, or do you have a series of steps that you take to help them reengage? Like, what does that process look like, or, or how do you react? Yeah, you know, Kim, I think in my years of youth ministry, this is probably one of the most heartbreaking things in my life. Mm-hmm. Is to yeah. see a student who 
who was who was really on fire for God and then walk away. Yeah. And we can't judge their heart. We don't know. And, I, and I've had parents in my office who have done everything they can in tears. Mm-hmm. And I think where it begins with me is this. It begins with a non-judgmental conversation. Yeah. that's If they're willing to talk to me, I just listen. Because what I'm finding is this, is for a lot of parents, when your kid comes and says to you, I'm walking away from God we just automatically begin to panic. Right. Yeah. And any any ability to listen is is just not there. Mm-hmm. Right. But hopefully I have enough relationship with this kid that they know I'm not going to judge them or right. come down on them. And so if I can just say, okay, let me, I'll tell you what, I'm going to listen to what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And what I'm noticing is this, and I'm not saying it across the board, but like I said before, a lot of the times, the reason why these kids are walking away from God is because they've never experienced them. Mm, yeah. Their faith has never become their own. It's their parents. They have done everything that their parents want them to do. Right. And so they know about they know about God, but they don't really know God. Right. And, that and I'll is, tell you something. Yeah. yeah. It's such a crucial time, right, in their lives to just take that step from their parents yeah. to their yeah. own faith. Like they need to be able to kick the fences. Mm-hmm. And the best time to kick the fences is within so if, if they're questioning their faith, I tell parents too, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Because what they're telling you is they're making it, they're making it real. And just because they claim to walk with the Lord doesn't mean they walked with the Lord. Right. Yeah. What God's done in them hasn't stopped. Like God hasn't removed his presence. <laughs> right. Isn't he, okay, you want to give up? I'm going to leave. No, he's like, okay, I'll work with you. Mm-hmm. Because he's willing to work through it. And so what I would say is this, is listening is crucial. And so all the conversation with them. I'll also come alongside with the parents. I think parting with parents is crucial because, mm-hmm. and I would say this to any young youth pastor, these kids are not yours. Right. Yeah. Don't pretend they are. <laughs> right. And so the parents are not the enemy. They're your partners. You're helping them. And so what I would say is this, is I would partner with them, helping parents understand that they are the primary influencers. Uh, do you guys do orange at your church? We do. And Kidsman, we're using orange. And so, okay. yeah, we've worked really hard at partnering with the parents yeah, and the family, because right? Because you, and... you know the ratio, right? Yeah. I have in my office right now 40 gumballs in a jar. Oh, my goodness. Which represent the 40 hours that I have in a year yeah. with a student. And then on my floor in water jugs, I have 3,000 gumballs. Yeah. It represents how many hours I have as a parent with my kids. And so in those 40 hours, I want to help parents maximize their 3,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Right? It's amazing when you actually see that, right? That physical representation, yeah. it just makes yeah. such an impact that the amount of impact the family has. Yeah. yeah. And I'd also say, Kim, too, and I don't want to make this a cliche, yeah. but I would say pray. Mm-hmm. Pray. You know, it's interesting. My, my brother, my, I have a, a younger sister, myself, and an older brother. Mm-hmm. And my older brother, he walked away from his faith. Okay. He did it, an atheist girl, all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget, he wouldn't go to church on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we would have Sunday lunch. And so he would come up from his bedroom and he was, you know, here all over the place and he sat down. And I remember this one lunch, my sister and I had just got back from church with our parents. And my brother sat down and he basically said, well, I'm dating an atheist girl. Wow. And I'll never forget what my mom did. My mom just pushed herself out of the table from the table. She got up, she pushed a chair and she walked into her bedroom and she closed the door. Oh, and my sister and I looked at each other and said, Steve is dead because she knew I knew what she was doing. 
Yeah. She was bringing my brother to the feet of Jesus. Oh, your mother's so wise. Yeah. That's amazing. And there's nothing more powerful than a praying parent. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful. That's... Like any, any kid that's rebelling, yeah. if your parents are praying, watch out. Yeah, because that's such a great response. Is you're calling God to do it. So I would really encourage them to understand their influence. Live, live your example. Love them despite that, mm-hmm. right? Never give up that relationship because God doesn't give up when we screw up. It's God true. doesn't give up because it's through that relationship that he calls us back. And so as parents, it's through that relationship that you will eventually call your son back or daughter back. It's like the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. When the prodigal son came back, he said, I don't even deserve to be a son. Maybe he'll take me as a servant. Right. And the dad just embraced him. So be ready to embrace. But another thing I would do as well is, is get fellow students involved. Like oh, I would get some students good. who may know them to engage mm-hmm. with them. And not judgmentally, right? but to say, listen, we missed you. And just being open. And if they say they're struggling with their faith, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what we need to do yeah. because it's constantly a wrestle, right? It is, so, yeah. Those are some things I'd say. It's never, there's never a perfect answer to it. No, and but... It's probably one of the most heartbreaking things. <laughs> it is, but those are so encouraging things that we can practically do, right? And to give a family hope mm-hmm. when they're in that situation. And, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know if there's one thing that you could communicate to our listeners right now who are serving with kids or youth or family, what is one thing that you could tell them or share with them? Okay. This is what I would say. Mm -hmm. People over programs. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's where, that's where it's at. Yeah. I think programs are great. Yeah. But they're designed as a way to reach people. That's, and when you're so yeah. programmed out that you have no time for people, mm-hmm. then you're in trouble. Yeah, that's something we need to. Yeah, I'm reading a great book called The Unhurried Leader. Okay. It's it's amazing. Who's that? The author. Who's that? Uh, yeah. Alan Fag Fadlin Fadlin. Okay. Alan Fadlin. Yeah, I'm not a reader. Yeah. I just struggle reading, but I cannot put this book down. Okay. And the whole book talks about as a leader, as leaders, we're so rushed. He it's does true. one called The Unhurried Life as well. Mm-hmm. And just being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others. And I think because of our North American mindset, it's all about the programs we offer. And yeah. unfortunately, the church has become like a consumer mentality, right? What do you have to offer me? Mm-hmm. Nothing here for my kids, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, right. right? And they so there's around. this pressure. Yeah, there's this pressure as a church to present the best in, in programs. Right. But if it's all about programs, then Jesus was a failure because Jesus wasn't about programs. He was about people. And that's why we're talking about him 2,000 years later is because he invested into people so much that they were able to go and reproduce themselves into others. Mm -hmm. There was no programs at creation. No. Right? When God created, he didn't say, okay, now this will be junior high. This will be, no. He said every day he would show up in the garden, what? And And be with us. Be with them, yeah. We yeah. need to find some way to, to, to spend more. We need to find, find some way within the church to be able to say, okay, people are a priority. Yeah. Because I think if you look at most churches, I'm not being critical, but I think if you look at most churches and people say, what's the priority? They would probably say programs. Because right. I even have a hard time finding time for people. It is, yeah, right. Because you, I mean, the programs can be great, but yeah, once you get wrapped up in them, you kind of lose your focus. Yeah. Of... But Kim, see, let me ask you a question. Growing up in the, growing up in the church, okay, mm-hmm. what do you remember? You remember the people. Yeah. You don't remember the programs. Mm-hmm. It was the programs you went to 
that built relationship with the people, but it was the people. Yeah. Yeah. And the time I, invested, right? Especially yeah. when I was a teenager yeah. and I can think back to those who invested in my life and walked with me yeah. and, and helped me wrestle through yeah. my faith. Yeah. And that's the key. And so I think we need to be like my youth leaders. I tell them like I have a student leaders, but I tell my youth leaders as well. All I want you to do is build relationships. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because relationships are crucial. If you talk to my son, he will tell you about youth leaders who have poured into his life. Yeah. He can't tell you any lessons that dad spoke on, which is cut to the core, but <laughs> yeah. because it's not about program, it's about people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, that is absolutely amazing, Dave. I love what you've had to say and just how encouraging it is really because we can take some of these practical steps and apply them right away, um, whether we're working with youth or even kids. Yeah. Um, and as we're just training up this next generation behind us, uh, that then they can turn around and do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much, Dave, for taking this time to hey, chat with us here. Me. Yeah, I'm super excited. I loved, you know, you were here at 412. That was fantastic at the conference. And uh, you had so many great things to say. And I'm hoping oh, now, that. yeah, that we can incur- continue to encourage um, That's right. Yeah, not just those that came to the conference, but yeah. those who are listening. Um, and we want people to stay connected to all that's yeah. happening with 412 Canada podcast and yeah. conference. So you can do that. You can sign up for our email at 412.ca. And because you signed up, we're going to send you a link for all the audio files from 412 Conference 2019 for free. So that's an amazing deal there. And, uh, and there's so many good breakouts that you can listen to that's on right. there. And can, um, can I say one thing? Yes, one thing about, yeah. About what your conference? Yeah. I have spoken at, at a few conferences, and I'll tell you something. There was something about this one. Mm-hmm. You guys just had the heart. You, it was oh. run well, and it, you just equipped people. And I, oh. I, I was impressed. Oh, thank you. So I want to encourage anyone who didn't go last year yeah. to mark it on your calendars. You do not want to miss this because God is doing something really significant. Yes, yeah, and the next one will be in 2021. So awesome. you can mark that on your calendar. Hey, Dave, can you tell us what is the best way? If somebody wants to contact you or connect with you in some way, what's the best way that they could do that? Uh, oh, that's uh, you can connect with me uh, through Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I'm not a Twitter guy. I don't do all that stuff. Uh, you can email me at lane at templebaptist.com. Okay. Um, you can get me that way, that way too. And, yeah, and I, can I, they connect with you on Instagram? Uh, yes. Yes. Instagram. <laughs> At Lane, one nine three five. Yeah, that's apparently my daughter and my son are like, Dad, you have to like, I'm 48 years old. Like, you've got to be more hip when it comes to social media. Yeah, I'm like, I'm on Facebook. That's for old people. Yeah. So. Okay, so also yeah. Instagram, and you, and we'll put uh, links in our show notes for yep. Sun Life. Yep. And uh, we'll also put your Instagram and Facebook and email connections. Yeah, and, and I would also, also the put books. Uh, maybe a link for SLU and yeah. uh, Remix as well. Because yeah. that's a great thing for, for people to get, especially youth leaders, to get connected into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's fantastic. Well, I, I'm excited that we had this chat today. And again, I'm yeah. hoping that everyone is encouraged that listened. And thank you for taking the time in your busy schedule to check okay. out our podcast and listen. And you can share this with your friends, like us on social media, and, um, and continue to listen to the 412 Canada podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the 412 Canada podcast. We hope this episode has equipped you for greater influence through serving. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and consider leaving a review on the app you use. The 412 Canada podcast is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. Explore everything 412 Canada at 412.ca. Thanks again for spending time with us. See you next time.